Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Taniguzzi with Calgary's podcast on Canada's Podcast Network. Joining me today is Hisu Cho, who is co-founder and managing director of Savvy Mind in Calgary. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mario. Well, let me just start by asking you, like, uh, tell me a little bit about what Savvy Mind is and what you guys do. Yeah, the primary mandate of Savvy Mind is to open up access to psychedelic-assisted therapies uh, with the initial clinical focus around using ketamine-assisted psychotherapy to help uh, individuals with mental health and chronic pain condition. Okay, and uh, when did it start? Uh, we started the project back in 2020, October of 2020. Uh, the first few months, we're kind of figuring out uh, the lay of the land and the landscape of the psychedelic medicine and industry, um, followed by a little bit of you know planning in terms of what our offering specific model looked like. Uh, we recently opened our doors here in Calgary in March of 2022 with plans to open in Edmonton and Victoria as well. Okay, super. And uh, give me a, a little bit of the why and the history behind that of uh, why this was started. Yeah, a few of the co-founders uh, have a bit of lived experience with the, you know, complications and problems that come with mental health. Uh, we had a close friend and mentor uh, uh, lost his life to suicide in 2019, and we kind of collectively made a promise that we need to contribute to the mental health space. Um, you know, through our own personal healing journeys, we found the psychedelic assisted therapies kind of uh, ecosystem, and and we you know made it a mandate of ours to contribute to the space in terms of in terms of opening up access to that community. Okay, and can you talk a little bit about the name? Like, what does that come, and what does the name signify? Yeah, Sabi draws inspiration from the Japanese philosophy Wabi Sabi. Uh, there's a few principles that, um, you know, we've incorporated into our own philosophy, one of them being finding beauty and imperfection. Uh, but I think the one that resonates the most is that um, Sabi personified is the artful mending of damage. Uh, and what we look to do for mental health uh, conditions as well as chronic pain is, you know, take the time to um, support the individual through their own mending process. And through that process, hopefully they find the inherent beauty in, in the journeys that individuals go through and the struggles that, you know, we all face day to day. Okay. Hisu, can you talk a little bit about just exactly what, what you're offering uh, in terms of somebody that walks in your door? Yeah, we have a pretty unique wraparound care model that involves a multidisciplinary team of healthcare professionals uh, on the front lines, we have physicians, um, we have a psychiatrist and anesthesiologist that take part in the intake process, as well as are, are part of the patient's journey throughout the entire kind of treatment program. Um, we also have a few psychotherapists uh, that come in the form of psychologists and social workers, as well as registered nurses. They all kind of contribute to the individual's um, program at different parts. Um, the program is broken down into three categories. There's a preparation, discovery, and integration phase. Um, the preparation component takes into account all of the medical consultations, psychiatric consultations, uh, as well as a bit of um, preparation psychotherapy. Um, this is really significant in terms of managing expectations for the clients as well as just preparing themselves for um, the type of experiences that they're going to have in the actual discovery sessions themselves. Uh, the discovery component uh, is specifically where the ketamine is administered. Um, you know, we hope to provide a conducive environment where individuals are able to explore their psyche on a different level. Uh, and through that process, hopefully find some insights that, you know, help shift some of um, 
how they frame their uh, mental health and chronic pain conditions. Uh, the last part is, is where we hope to, you know, hopefully make some lasting change. And that's the integration therapy component where um, while supported through a psychotherapist, uh, the individual is able to take these insights and hopefully them into their lives and, and, and find some meaningful change and, and some transformational experiences. So uh, uh, again, maybe uh, walk me through this. Uh, uh, so what a, an individual takes, what's that called? Ketamine. So ketamine is a general anesthetic that's been used in the OR and ER for uh, many, many years now. Uh, what they found through uh, not only the practice, but the significant science and, and publications is that um, ketamine has immediate uh, antidepressant effects uh, that can last anywhere from two to four weeks from a biomedical type of interaction that happens in the body. Now we're leveraging that interaction specifically um, uh, in a psychotherapeutic model to hopefully boost some of those benefits as well as, you know, explore what some of these individuals may find in those ketamine sessions. And, and, and what exactly uh, is it? Uh, uh, maybe you describe it so I get a sure. picture. And where is it sourced? Yeah, yeah. So it's a disassociative uh, by nature. Obviously, there are some anesthetic uh, qualities to it as well. Um, but the dosing levels that we're playing with or, uh, and introducing to clients is, is a level where we're allowing the individuals to maybe uh, explore their inner consciousness a little more. Um, everything that we provide in the clinic is to uh, allow the individuals to go inward. Um, and the ketamine is stored in a, in a safe, in a vault. It, it is uh, stored on site in a, in a medically approved fashion. Um, you know, ketamine is available through all pharmacies. It's used in hospital settings. It's used in uh, other clinics as well. Um, the way we're using it is considered off-label. Um, but, you know, we're seeing a, a significant opportunity with ketamine kind of laying the foundation for the other psychedelic medicines that will, you know, eventually become unilaterally available through the medical framework. Um, we're seeing a, a big movement with MDMA in the United States. And, and obviously there's been a few exemptions for psilocybin access here in Canada as well. Uh, and so we're essentially laying the groundwork. I think uh, if we're forward looking a little bit, there's an opportunity to use different tools for different situations. Um, you know, as you and I both know, mental health care is not a one size fits all model. And so what we're looking to do is, is, create a bit of a foundation and a community and an understanding of individuals that there are these novel treatments that have shown efficacy uh, and, and just to create a dialogue and, and increase access as well. Yeah. And that, you know, there's also things like mushrooms out there, like uh, what, you know, and I've done a, I've done a number of stories and interviews uh, on that as well. Why is, do you think at this time, this whole field of psychedelics is, uh, is, is growing? Yeah, I think, Psychedelics has, has deep, deep roots when it comes to just the history of humanity. I think if you look at many indigenous cultures, there's, you know, recorded history of practices just with plant-based medicines. Uh, I think the reason why we're seeing a shift for, you know, innovative treatments, not only in the psychedelic space, but just through other avenues and channels for mental health is that one, we need more potential solutions in the system. Not to say that the existing framework isn't supporting the individual, I think the more solutions, the more resources, the more services we have, the better chance individuals have of finding something that works for them. You know, we all can understand the implications of COVID-19 on everyone's kind of general health and, and, and welfare. Um, and so I, I think there is a bit of a, 
a paradigm shift happening where there's a, an increased level of awareness and acknowledgement with, I think, individuals' own mental health, but just a general sense of, you know, individuals at large in the community as well. Now, we know that, you know, uh, setting up a business uh, can be a, a chore, <laughs> a, a, a difficult task for people who haven't done it before. Um, where did you find help, resources, inspiration uh, to, to actually start a, a new business? It's been a journey, Mario. It's been a journey. And, uh, you know, the, you know, kind of mantra that keeps coming back is that it takes a village and it's taken a community that has been so supportive. Um, and, and we're so humbled and blessed by everyone's kind of not only engagement with what we're doing, but their willingness to just support. And I think early days when this was just an idea and, and something that we were talking about, you know, in the office, um, we weren't sure. We weren't sure what the community was going to say. We weren't sure if they were ready to kind of explore these types of innovative treatments. And what we found is that as soon as we started talking about it in our own personal networks, there was significant amount of curiosity. Uh, and I think that curiosity is, is what drives us to, to ensure that, you know, we're always looking at how to tailor these types of services and to ensure that our, our practices are best in class. Um, you know, for me personally, I, I have a, a, a bit of an obsession with hyperfixation. Once I, you know, find an affinity towards something, I, I dive full in. And so that first six months, eight months was just about getting a download and, and doing a lot of research on, you know, what was existing in the space, what had come before, what is working, and yeah. what does the future potentially look like in terms of opportunities. Um, and through that process, obviously, we've met some very brilliant individuals in the space who have been so gracious with their time and resources. And you know, it, it's a never-ending process. I think the work in progress kind of mantra that exists in, in startup and entrepreneurial culture is, is validated through our, our lived experience. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's the people, the people who drive this business um, through their one-on-one -on -one interactions with not only the clients and patients, but internally uh, and, and within the community as well. Yeah. What do you like, um, uh, what, what do you like about being an entrepreneur? Honestly, Mario, I don't like a lot of it. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm kidding. It, you know, it, it, it has its pros and cons. I, I think yeah. for me, you know, even participating in, in um, podcasts like this is tough because I don't like being in the limelight. I think, you know, if anything, the team deserves all the credit and they deserve yeah. to be, you know, front facing. What I, what I do thoroughly enjoy about um, the entrepreneurial spirit and community is that how supportive it is. I think there's this underlying recognition um, and, and respect that entrepreneurs have for one another because, you know, there is a lot of risk involved and, and, and individuals are taking a chance um, for something they believe in. And I think that, that demands an immense amount of respect. Uh, and, and so, you know, through those types of interactions, I feel inspired, you know, every day I'm meeting someone new, it's an entrepreneur in a different space. And, you know, it is motivating to see other individuals kind of take the initiative and, and um, you know, look to create something that is, you know, meaningful to them, but hopefully meaningful to the people that they serve. Yeah. You know, considering your journey um, uh, into this and in a new business, if, if you had a friend that came to you, uh, you know, and asked you, uh, you know, what's your best advice for me uh, if I if I want to start up a business? What would you tell them? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I think I think think long and hard and pragmatically and critically about what you are looking to do. I think 
Um, from a value standpoint, that's the first thing to explore your why, why you are participating in what you are thinking of, of doing. Uh, and then what value it adds to the community. You know, after you've established that internally for yourself, I think it's about finding the right people. Um, and so finding like-minded individuals who are value aligned first and foremost. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully through that process and finding those value aligned individuals, you find credible, smart, and, and brilliant individuals as well that can add their expertise to what you're doing. Yeah, over over the over the time uh, there uh, that you've uh, been involved in this, and maybe even before that, have there been any uh, business leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs that uh, that inspired you that you kind of thought uh, were uh, were um, good examples of uh, what you can do? Yeah, the friend and mentor I lost to. Uh, suicide in 2019 was actually uh, probably the most influential person in my life, not only personally, but professionally. And, and something that he left with me is, is just this um, immense amount of care he had for the people around him, um, both professionally and personally, and, and how he was able to, you know, use that level of care to ensure that people felt, one, safe and supported, um, but also, you know, create a space for individuals to explore um, what they wanted out of life and, and the situations that they were in. And so uh, I hold those lessons near and dear. And, and I hope that I am, you know, filtering all of my decision-making through that lens. Okay. Hisu, let's uh, chat a little bit about yourself. Uh, what were you doing before this? Uh, I spent the, the last 10 years in the hospitality space. Food and beverage was something that was uh, uh, an immense passion of mine. And, and it was a career for a long time. I, I worked for a hospitality group in Calgary here called the Concord Group. And oh, yes. uh, I was super, super grateful for um, all of the opportunities that were given to me, as well as, uh, you know, just the lessons I've learned. Um, I've done every job under the sun and, and near the tail end. I was running a few of the, the venues and you know, uh, the hospitality space is something that's still very near and dear in my heart. And we've actually brought in a layer of, you know, the experience curation component of the hospitality community to what we do on the medical side of things. I think we're exploring that intersection. I think we're, you know, taking everything and filtering it through a, you know, legal medical lens to ensure safety and efficacy, but also bringing in a layer of, of experience curation. And we're finding the sweet spot where, you know, clients are able to feel supported and, and safe in a, in a very you know, detailed environment and a very calming environment uh, and, and filter that and add a, a bit of, you know, medical professionals alongside it. I think um, there's a lot of opportunity to explore the implications of that. Now, I know Concord Group has a number of uh, establishments throughout the city. Uh, I'm just curious, which ones were you at? Uh, I was with, uh, I started my, my career there with the local brand um, and then moved over to the Nationals. Uh, I've done the Waff course intent. Uh, I spent a brief period at Lulu uh, Bar as well. And yeah, it, you know, I've kind of seen it all. I also participated in the Bourbon Room, which was one of my favorite venues that they've, you know, put together over the years. And, you know, it's really exciting to see the growth that they're going through as well. I think, you know, they've done an exceptional job of kind of bringing new, interesting concepts to the city of Calgary. And yeah, kudos to them and excited to see what they do in the next few years. Yeah. Okay. We all know that, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is uh, um, uh, time consuming. <laughs> you know, it's almost like 24 seven, you're on the job, uh, you're either doing it or thinking about it, right? Uh, uh, do you think you have any work life balance? 
It's an ongoing battle. Yeah. You know, I think when you, you're lucky enough to find a meaningful pursuit that, you know, fills your cup on the daily, it's hard to, you know, set some boundaries when it, when it's providing you so much. Uh, for me personally, in terms of self-care and ensuring that I do have that work-life balance, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a foodie at heart. I love going out to dining and dining with friends and family. I think experiencing new types of foods and cuisines uh, is something that is a passion of mine and it brings me a lot of, a lot of comfort and care. Um, you know, I, I love physical activity. You know, I, I love, I love the gym. I love all aspects of, of getting in a sweat when, and when possible. Um, so those two things carry me through, you know, I, I think, uh, forward looking a little bit as, as Sabi hopefully, you know, stabilizes a little bit. Um, I, I think, uh, I'll definitely explore, you know, incorporating some additional hobbies in my life. Any thoughts of like what? Great question. Um, not yet. Not uh, I've been meaning sewing or anything. I've been meaning to pick up uh, this game called Go. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a board game. It's an ancient Asian board game. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've been meaning to kind of teach myself how to play, it and maybe hopefully find a community that I can kind of explore what that looks like as well. So, okay. okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what and your heritage is uh, is from where? I'm Korean. Yeah. Korean. Okay. Uh, do you get any of the um, uh, inspiration in terms of what you're doing now uh, from there? Like, uh, and uh, what's happening uh, in, the, say, Korea with that? Uh, definitely. I think I think I draw a lot of inspiration, especially from a, an aesthetic and philosophy standpoint, from you know Asian cultures, Korean, yeah. Japanese. Um, you know, it, it's been recent in my life where I've kind of reconnected with those roots. Um, the last time I was in Korea was in 2019, right before the pandemic. And it was the first time where I really felt the impact of my heritage and my, and my bloodline and, and where I come from. And I definitely do, you know, try to draw inspiration in a respectful manner um, as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, so where are you, like, uh, maybe describe for me the actual setting uh, uh, of what you have in place uh, for Sabi. You bet. Our, our facility is located in Sanalta, a community here in Calgary, I'm sure you're aware of. Um, it's about, you know, 4,500 square foot purpose-built facility, um, five treatment rooms, uh, a beautiful space, a, a lot of um, Asian influence in terms of the aesthetic. Okay. And a lot of use of uh, use of neutral tones and color palettes, uh, a lot of um, raw materials, uh, all in an effort to hopefully provide a conducive environment that is grounding. Uh, and I think why we did that is a couple of reasons. I think, you know, psychedelic experiences can be quite bright and stimulating. Uh, yeah. We want to provide a space, a physical space that was neutral, where individuals could kind of come back down the baseline and also prep in a, in a, in a neutral state prior to these experiences. And so um, uh, everything that we do at the clinic is, is you know, geared towards that, a calming effect. Okay, super that. Well, Hisu, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today. Mario, thank you so much for your time as well. All right, super. That was Hisu Cho, who is co-founder and managing director of Sabi Mind. I'm Mario Tonaguzzi with Calgary's podcast on Canada's Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us today.